If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade, and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Pixel Sift is proudly supported by Murdoch University School of Arts, who have been with us since day one of the podcast. We've got a uh, hundred odd episodes now, uh, and they've been here since the beginning. Uh, it's where we learnt how to make podcasts, radio, and video. And if you're interested in a creative degree in games, sound, film, journalism, and maybe you want to adjust a camera on the fly, you want to have the skills <laughs> to do such a thing, uh, you can do that by heading to murdoch.edu au forward slash arts and you can learn everything that they got on offer so that's murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts uh, thank you to murdoch university school of arts who are proudly supporting pixel sift G'day, Cobber. <laughs> Welcome to Pixel Sift, the best bloody video game podcast this side of the Nullarbor. God, it's my own accent and I just sound terrible doing it. I can't, yeah. It's just, I'm going to give up it's, on that it's one. It's forced. Oh my God. Anyway, uh, I'm Gianni uh, and <laughs> we are Pixel Sift. And if you haven't seen Pixel Sift before, uh, Pixel Sift is a video game podcast mm. where we talk to developers from Australia and the world and we find out exactly what it takes to make things. And we also discuss the topics of the news mm. that people like to hear about. Uh, Scott is here too. He's my mate. He's joining us on the podcast. But we've also got a new mate here uh, called Gregory Loudon, and he's from Convict Games. Greg, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm stoked to be involved. So we're going to learn all about your game Stone a little bit later in the show. But first up, Scott, what are we checking out? Uh, early, we are checking out uh, something that happened earlier this week. It was an announcement from Microsoft that they will be acquiring both Obsidian and InXile Studios. So tonight we'll be talking about what that means for cross-platform independent games and whether the multi-platform game is over. Let's get a crack on, shall we? Sure. Hey there, if you're enjoying the show and you want to hear more, subscribe to Pixel Sift on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, or listen on pixelsift.com.au. See you there. So you might have seen the news uh, this week at Microsoft. Uh, I, I don't know how to ever pronounce this, but it's X18 or X2018, but it's their big conference that they have that they announced that they were acquiring a number of new studios that were going to be coming within the Microsoft fold. And then two ones that uh, popped up were Obsidian uh, and InXile Studios. So the two of them who were previously uh, connected to studios like Black Isle, we've got Brian Fargo and Chris Parker, who are some names you might know from that sort of 90s era, uh, sort of classic PC games. They yeah. made things like Wasteland, the Fallout series and stuff. Some of the um, uh, the 
they've uh, more recently famous for sort of kickstarting their game. So uh, Brian Fargo went and uh, kickstarted Wasteland Two um, to do a reimagining of that, and there's also the um, the Path of Eternity uh, series that was kickstarted as well. So that's what Obsidian's looking after now. They've done a bunch of different uh, series, but they were going to be part of. They're going to be part of Microsoft, and they're going to be acquired and and be part of the fold now. A lot of people, uh, if you would remember, uh, from the 90s would uh, – you remember the 90s, Scott? I do remember the 90s. See, if I said that to Mitch, you wouldn't have any idea what I was talking about. Greg, do you remember the 90s? I do. They were pretty cool. Yeah, they were pretty dope. There we go. So in the 90s, a whole bunch of these studios all sort of accumulated and and were combined into bigger things. But, you know, when we had a sort of a a crash in the early sort of 2000s, a lot of the studios that we would have been familiar with started to disappear. So there used to be a real cynicism towards – People uh, having their or, or having your favourite game studio being bought out by a big company, but it seems to have not continued on. People were pretty chuffed about the idea that uh, Microsoft would be taken over by uh, taking over Obsidian in, exa- in exile. Sure, I mean in the past there's been quite a lot of apprehension because you wouldn't weren't exactly sure about how things would be handled, um, especially from a de- uh, publisher or a developer that you might not overly. Um, respect or trust as far as their, you know, the first order uh, developers and publishers go. But, I mean, Microsoft generally have a pretty good rep as far as this thing goes, generally. Um, much better than, say, you know, yeah, I don't know, EA or something like that. Mm. Um, I think if it was, yeah, if it was some if someone else acquiring them, I think it would be a different reaction. But somebody like Microsoft, I mean, you, you kind of got to trust them. They have a lot of the market as far as console and PC goes. Uh, and they have a lot to do with, a, you know, their, their fingers in many pies. Now, Chris Parker, who's the chief operating officer um, from uh, Obsidian, uh, had this to say about why uh, they decided to join forces with Microsoft. Go on. Games keep getting bigger. The production values keep going up. And to be perfectly honest, it is, again, becoming harder and harder for us to make the games that we want to make. So finding a partner like Microsoft who can give us the financial backing uh, can have the confidence in us to make the experiences that we want to make, that we need uh, a partner to help us make, uh, is absolutely critical for us right now if we want to keep doing what we want to do. I mean, Microsoft in general, I feel, haven't been kind of putting a lot into their development over the last whatever years. I mean, they've been associated with a lot of things they've been doing well, but as far as them, I don't think they're producing a lot. And it's for, as, as especially groundbreaking things. I, I feel like a lot of the groundbreaking uh, and really impressive things that I see as of late, and I see that over the last four or five years, are coming from indie studios, are coming mm-hmm. from smaller studios. So, the, <laughs> obviously, Microsoft are not going to buy these studios with the idea that they're going to change it around heaps. Obviously, they are purchasing them because of their value that they offer currently. So I, I see it as a good move. I, I, I have a lot of faith in it. Mm. Uh, I might be wrong there, <laughs> but I like it so far. Greg, I want to know what you think of this sort of move for Microsoft to kind of uh, consolidate a few studios under their under their brand. What do you think, why they might be doing that and, and how do you feel about it? Yeah, so um, I'm pretty fortunate because I, um, I worked on Quantum Break uh, in Helsinki, which obviously was a big Microsoft project. And um, from my experience uh, working at Remedy, they were great. Like uh, they really let us build this uh, pretty, still pretty wild today, um, time travel, TV show, interactive narrative blockbuster. 
Mm -hmm. I, I feel like they they know how to make games and uh, I got to work with a really a lot of amazing people that are yeah really inspired me and I've used and take it onwards obviously in my own independent company now convict games and with stone I think so, so funding think is such a hard thing in general so particularly as an independent and uh, I think as uh, the quote where we just kind of listened to it is very very hard to uh, compete when the other budgets for these other games is so ginormous, like even today you look at Red Dead, like the budget of that game mm. is the biggest budget of all time, I'm pretty sure, for a game. Yeah. And yeah, but Red Dead Auto 5 already was. So uh, that's kind of the quality bar, that, and that's mass market AAA. So I think if you want to do mass market AAA, uh, you need a lot of money, and Microsoft is one of the biggest companies in the world. And fortunately for us as gamers, uh, they care about games as well. Mm. Um, I was very curious about what their approach would be with this, obviously, uh, new generation that is going to be coming eventually. Um, I think we all think that'll happen, but it seems like they're doubling down, which is um, really exciting for players. So, uh, yeah, I think it's great. Um, good luck to all the studios. I'm mm. a big fan of all of them. So mm. I'm really excited to see what they can do when they don't need to worry about um, some financing as much. There's going to be other challenges, of course, but uh, it's always tough, I think, as well. it's uh, They've got new shareholders now. A lot of them were private. Yep. They've shifted to having a company, so there are going to be different considerations on them than what they've had before. But clearly, they've all decided that it was a good deal and they want to do it, and they've they've signed the contract, so all the best to them. And, yeah, I can't yeah. wait to see what they all produce. Now, if you're just uh, tuning in and you're watching on Twitch, uh, we're Pixel Sift. We're an indie game uh, podcast based in Western Australia. And we're talking a little bit about when uh, sort of your indie sort of uh, almost double A size studio gets acquired by Microsoft and Microsoft in particular announced that they were just a, about to or have just acquired Obsidian um, and in Exile as well. So they are part of the uh the fold at Microsoft now, they're part of the, the main company and probably will come into that sort of Microsoft Game Studios thing. At all intents and purposes, it sounds like it's going to be business as usual. But we've got a comment from Moody Zander on Twitch who says that the only acquisition that I tend to hear about is sort of EA's studio acquisition. Um, and that gives them uh, and it gives them a reputation of a studio killer because they tend to shut things down. Yeah, as I said before, like, you know, I feel like Microsoft are kind of, uh, a little, they're, they're more trustworthy, I feel, as a studio. So when I hear Microsoft buying a studio, I am much more positive than, yeah, like Moody Sanders said, if AI, AI were doing it, I'd be like, ugh, that's the end of that. But um, everything I ever hear about Microsoft from the inside or mm. the out, generally, and as Greg said, they're, they're really supportive of the games industry. So I see this as a positive move. Uh, and yeah. I'm hopeful. But on the flip side of that, and which is the other half of the topic, is how does this uh, affect our future as far as cross-platform and multi-platform games, which is, you know, pretty big at the moment. Mm. Um, I... I, well, this is the thing, right? So think about um, 343 Industries, which was the, the company that was set up to take over the ownership of the Halo IP after mm. Bungie stepped away. There's also, um, I think it's called The Coalition, which looks after Gears of War after Epic stepped away as well. And they're Microsoft-owned companies that manage those brands. You're not going to be able to play Halo or Gears of War on a PlayStation. If it was Epic, potentially you'd think maybe down the track you might have done that. Bungie have got games which are on both PlayStation and Xbox and PC as well. But I'm wondering, yeah, is it going to be that, you know, if you want to play an Obsidian game, you now have to play it on Xbox or PC? I think that's silly. 
Um, but it makes sense, you know. That's the draw card I mean, to sell a they've console. They've already got PC. They've already got a console. Like you know, arguably half the console market. Um, you know, or, or a good majority, of, a good part of the um, console market. So. I Making think- your your games available on that the rest of it, which would be PlayStation, namely, yeah, uh, and Switch. Well, yeah, sure, yeah, uh, but you know, not all games are going to go to Switch. Uh, not all games are able to go to Switch. Um, it'd be silly not to. I feel like they're going to gain more by having the games available on the rest rather than you know ex- uh, exclusion. Um, but what do I know, Greg? Just, do you think uh, dude. do you think we're going to see more of that? Are these going to become sort of console exclusives, or do you think they'll stay in the path that they did with, say, Minecraft, for example, which is uh, Microsoft-owned studios, Mojang, um, which is owned by Microsoft, is on everything. Uh, so Minecraft, you can play it everywhere. Yeah, yeah it's 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 hard to say. Obviously, I think uh, just guessing uh, from outside, I guess. Similar to television, how there's Netflix and obviously in music, there's Spotify and iTunes. I think uh, Microsoft is a business. They probably do want you to buy Xboxes. So my assumption would be that, yeah, I assume that these are going to be Xbox games. But it's the same in all mediums. Uh, mm. I that's, that's my assumption. Maybe we'll be surprised. But, uh, yeah, when I saw it, I kind of assumed that a lot of these games won't be coming to Sony PlayStation. So, um. Let's see, but it's. Uh, I think that's that's kind of the business side of games, and yeah, yeah. Microsoft. It is a company, and it is a big business, so they're they're but, going for it for their own angle. And I actually think it's it is a shame, but it's also good because it means uh, Sony has to kind of step up as well, and Nintendo and other contender will come in the ring as well. So I think for players, it means better games, but yeah, hmm. it means that you'll have to probably choose or have to invest in both if you want to play everything. So. But I mean, we've always kind of sure. had this. Yeah, that's awesome. you know, we've we had this. You know, say with the if you want to play Halo, then you're gonna to have to get the Xbox. If you want to do no, Last, Last of Us, okay, or Gran Turismo, Red Dead Redemption. I mean, like you know, there is a there's a, there's been a divide for a long time. It's mm-hmm. always been there. That's why the consoles have forever existed separately. Um, at the same time, you know, there's uh, like I said, there's money for Xbox and Microsoft to be made by selling games to PlayStation. Yeah. So I think that in itself is a huge part of why they would do it. And the walls are sort of falling down. You know, there previously yeah, was yeah, these yeah, big yeah. walls. Think about Fortnite, for example, has now, you know, broken that apart. R- um, Rocket League, which is that sort of, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if a studio like um, like uh, that make Rocket League, for example, yeah. if they wouldn't be in that same sort of category that could potentially be acquired by one of the big players soon. What I will do is I will leave you with this quote from um, Brian <laughs> okay, Fargo, uh, and he says on Twitter, I can understand the natural skepticism of seeing smaller companies bought, and we've all seen some subsequently dismantled afterwards. Our deal with Microsoft allows InExile to grow and dream like never before, and this is a wonderful thing for our future. So a lot of hope there. Oh, yeah. Optimism. Very, I like it. Very interesting to see what happens. Let's jump into our next topic, shall we? Sure. Pixel Sim. It's not Pixel Sieve, it's Pixel Sift. Pixel Sifter. Now, if you're just joining us, this is Pixel Sift, uh, episode 109. Our guest for this week is Greg Loudon. He's from Convict Games, and we're going to be talking all about his game that has just come out. It's called Stone. Greg, what's Stone? <laughs> yeah, so uh, Stone is a hip-hop stoner noir uh, where you play a hungover koala detective and you wake up with this horrible hangover and you uh, you find out that your love has been kidnapped and you need to find out what happened. So uh, 
that's the setup. Um, the inspiration wise, like for my team, we've got uh, some obviously some devs and uh, other people in Australia that worked on the game. We've got actually came from Moscow. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here in uh, Helsinki, Finland. Despite the fact I'm Aussie, I've lived here for a while. Um, and yeah, just kind of started this Aussie game company because I just felt this uh, drive and desire to kind of Australia and even tell like an Australian story mm. because I felt like um, so many stories that we play in games are always kind of globalized, which I love, but I'd love to see a bit more uh, international sort of aspects in games. Mm. So um, with that, I kind of decided that, yeah, I needed to start Convict Games, needed to do uh, Stone. And from there, like, uh, there we go. And I managed to recruit this amazing team. And um, yeah, you can play it already. And today we actually just released a free PC demo. So for anyone who's curious after the call, they can jump on and give it a spin. But yeah, it's, um, you guys have kind of dubbed it um, Ozploitation in a yeah. sense. And I guess you could say that it's, it's really inspired by like alternative literature, obviously alternative cinema. Um, so yeah, it's, I think Ozploitation is a fair, a fair title. Now, it's obviously there's those inspirations there. You talked a little bit about how it's kind of come together, but there's some other uh, bits and pieces that you've kind of worked in to make this game uh, what it is. Um, can you kind of tell us about some of the other things that kind of built uh, on to to make Stone? Yeah, so um, it all really started from the story. I just knew that uh, the goal of what I think this of this company that I founded with my sister to be was to kind of do it like high impact and like alternative stories so the type of stories that usually you can watch on tv or you can read in books but in games usually it implies you need to have like a machine gun or there's action involved mm. once we once i kind of had that set up i was like okay we want to do a game that probably doesn't have the typical killing loop or the jumping loop um we want to try to tell a new type of story and um i got so inspired by like uh, the contemporary indie movement with games like Firewatch, Inside, and those sort of things. And I was working in AAA at the time, and I've been lucky that I can still do some consulting in AAA, so I'm getting to keep uh, that stuff going as well. But uh, but yeah, when I had that set up, it just kind of it started, and I knew that it'd be so cool to have an Australian story. And uh, the reception of the game from people around the world has been really excited and like that even this type of game exists um Do you and know, yeah so who's who's been sort of the strongest uh people getting into it? is it australians who kind of see some of these references or is it people who are like oh this is a bit like uh you know a crocodile dundee sort of style game and they're, they're like the the characterization of that australian aesthetic I think, I think the initial thing that obviously gets everyone is like the the character which is like this koala detective things like the first one is um for me, like anthropomorphism mm. is a great metaphor and there's a lot of like really good stories that have kind of used it. And it was also thinking about the constraints as an indie developer that uh, I know from experience that like creating like people in games is already quite complicated and uh, you kind of really need to stylize it. And I was thinking that, well, if we're going to have to stylize anyways, we may as well uh, just go with this really different art direction originally popped in with that but i think uh when you play the game it gets a bit more serious and you get a bit more into the story and you begin to kind of uh just forget even that there are these animals here because we've really tried to make it real there's a full voiceover 
it was like a complete adventure recording the VO. I um, sat here in Helsinki between 2 a.m. and 12 p.m. Helsinki time, directing over Skype to Australian voiceover actors, um, largely all my friends and other people, to kind of pull off this game because finding Aussies here in Finland isn't that easy. Um, so, yeah, it's just been this complete kind of uh, creating it all. And I've had so many great collaborators that I'd, I'd have to thank from um, all aspects, from, like, uh, obviously setting up a company size that are legal to the accounting stuff all the way up to the art and everything. But it's been um, a real, like, global push from a lot of people who really believed in trying to create this new type of game. Um, I've uh, seen you quoted as regarding to this uh, game as very much so like Clerks. And I can understand where you're coming from in, in the fact that it is like, you know, probably your, your first kind of big adventure out doing your own game and using your own friends and family and everyone that's around you. Um, was it a rewarding um, kind of first venture out into making your own kind of passion project? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I've been so lucky and I, I definitely think Clerks is a great reference for the whole as you said, like just using your friends and family and just um, collaborators who are really passionate about it. Because I think um, indie even today, obviously there are like the much bigger indies, which are the, usually the games you know about, but there's a lot smaller ones. And I think it is kind of, um, of kind of doing these very, very kind of low budget, but like super passionate, unique type of experiences that um, hopefully break through and more people can play. But, um, but yeah, yeah, definitely it's, um, so lucky that a lot of my friends have been able to kind of offer their voices. <laughs> yeah, and, and being um, great voice actors is not an easy and, thing. But Definitely. And um, well, when I wrote it, I kind of, well, when I even cast, I knew that these people, they just had to be the characters. So mm. I knew a lot of, I didn't know that many actors, but I knew a lot of people that had interesting voices. So yeah. they were like, yeah, let's do it. And um, they're like, I don't act, Greg. And I'm like, you don't have to just be yourself just be and be you. real. Yeah. And just match the character. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really happy with how it came together. Uh, if you've just joined us, we are speaking to Gregory Liaudin, uh from Convict Games, and they've just made the fantastic uh, hip-hop Stone and Noir uh, Stone. Um, back on to what you just said previously uh, with their anthropomorphic uh, metaphors. Um, I did, I, I think the metaphors in this game must run pretty deep, um, as do the pop culture kind of um, nods. I don't want to say references, but um, I liked the fact that the main character who's supposed to be a stoner is also a koala. I mean, uh, outside of Australia, people not, might not really know that koalas are kind of druggies um, and they <laughs> rely on eucalyptus leaves to, like, Get remain by. calm. Um, so, I liked that metaphor. But also, I wanted to ask, uh, did you think it was easier to create relatable and lovable characters by not using humans at all? I know you did say it was um, interesting, but do you think and it was easier? And the technical. Technically, yeah. yeah. And, and re relatability-wise for people, uh, enjoyability-wise. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think it was. And it's been interesting. There's been quite a few, like, funny reviews saying, like, you'll never look at koalas the same way again. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> a lot of, like, in particular, like, when we were first, like, announced the game, I kind of toured the game with a lot of, like, American journalists. And they're like this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and they're just like laughing at everything. They're like, oh, you need a glossary in this game. I don't know what's happening, but I love it. And another guy's like, oh, this reminds me of Fury Road. I didn't know what they were saying all the time. Well, that's, so, a, really, um, that's a really good point. We have, uh, you see it all the time on Instagram or, or whatever, Tumblr, uh, 
the rest of the world struggling with Aussie slang. Does a lot appear on that? And have you had to explain uh, many of the Australian jokes to any of your non-Australian no. members? Uh, some of them, but a lot of the times, like, people just seem to love it. Like, they kind of, they, they get it. Like, uh, even just saying, like, Froth House, like, <laughs> oh, we're all Froth House. is like the pub that he goes to. And, um, yeah, it takes people a little bit, but they're like, oh. Oh, no, I get oh, yeah, it. Wow, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, um, <laughs> yeah, in saying that, it's, it is going to, it is obviously for people that English isn't their first language, it's a bit more challenging. Mm. Yeah, in general, it's been really well received. And I think it's something that you just don't really see that much in games because everything's kind of written to kind of be this uh, flat level. But for me, it was important that it felt like watching a really cool like art house film or like watching like an early Tarantino or a Paul Thomas Anderson movie or any of those sort of things, which you don't really see in games that often. Um, so that's why I just felt like I had to go for it. And, Not enough uh, anyway. That's the benefit of being... If you're independent, I think the thing is you need to be fresh. You need to be new. Like you need mm. to like do things that uh, AAA or other studios won't. So I think Stone in that sense, we completely succeeded because it is like such a unique and different experience. And uh, I think everyone who's kind of worked and I've spoken to are all really um, proud to be involved and kind of happy to have helped, helped create it. Mm. Now, the other half of this is obviously all the Australian references. You've got the the references to those noir films and that sort of filmmaking and that, you know, Wes Anderson, all of that cool sort of stuff there. But the other part is the hip-hop and the music. And now 643 has asked us, what can you tell us about the, the music in the game? Yeah, so uh, the music of the game is, it's not just hip-hop. I think for me, uh, when, I, when I was thinking about like hip-hop stoner noir, I knew that Stoner Noir traditionally for me is stuff like The Long Goodbye from the 70s, Big Lebowski, which mm. but actually looks back towards the 70s, Inherent Vice. And I knew I wanted to be A, Australian, and B, contemporary. I wanted to kind of bring the genre back into spin. Um, and I was thinking that, well, what would like a stoner koala listen to today? <laughs> and it's pretty easy to imagine that he probably listens to hip hop. Um, so when I had that, and I also knew I wanted the writing to be like deep, with lots of like references where it's the sort of thing where you can play it once and then maybe play the scene again and you can see the kind of the hip hop stone noir aspect. And that was the, the goal, but musically uh, there's trap music. Obviously there's great hip hop. There's a, uh, a Perth trap producer. I don't know if you guys know him oh. called Lucci. Hmm. He's amazing. Like I didn't know there was such a cool trap scene in Perth, but, uh, I basically cruised through SoundCloud, found a lot of these uh, really cool up-and-coming indie musicians and just started collaborating. Um, so there's obviously some Aussie hip-hop. Ryan Little, who's this uh, American trap producer that I've been listening to for years, I reached out to him and got his music involved, but everything's licensed tracks. Everything's been organized with them, uh, completely set up. Uh, and, yeah, they've all been really stoked. And for a lot of them, it's the first game that they've been involved in. And uh, I think the music industry is very similar to um, the games industry now if you're independent. It's so hard to just break out. So I think it's been so great to kind of collaborate with some of these people to try to get their music being heard by different people. No, I'm as much as I love hip hop, I also really love electronic music. So there's this amazing uh, techno club, which is kind of inspired <laughs> by um, clubs here in Europe and uh, a little bit kind of like maybe like Boiler Room in Sydney from the big day out, but it's just kind of this really big epic warehouse. So um, 
There's cool electronic music. We've got some great Aussie rock, largely some friends that I grew up with. Some um, from, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's kind of this big collaboration. And yeah. uh, a couple of friends I worked with at Remedy, they're also musicians. So uh, one of the bands is called Warchief. They're this epic stoner rock band, which is like super heavy. And it's, uh, I think it pops really well. Mm. Um, and I try to align all the music with the story constantly. So like a chapter structure. It's like a curated so playlist or something, you know. You've got <laughs> it, uh, you know, here's your, here's your game chapter and a wine list or something. Yeah, your musical choices yeah, to yeah, go with it. it is. And that's, for me, like my favourite games or anything, it's just like it introduces you to a world. It's not just one story. It's like, yeah. oh, I've now I've played this game. I haven't seen The Big Lebowski or, oh, I haven't listened to Stoner Rock before or I haven't really listened to that much like Helsinki Berlin style, like, techno so i think it's just kind of like this entryway to a whole range of different cultures which um yeah it's something for me when i play a really good game that's what it does to me it's not just the game it's this whole gamut of just amazing stuff to dump, jump into but yeah music has been so critical um i think for the story and we really i really tried with the musicians and i tried for myself as a creative to really make their music like just amplify the moments um explosions in stone we have like one punch and one poke in the eye but i try to make the game as as dramatic and have as much impact as possible so to me music was always such an important key yeah absolutely <laughs> um i did notice uh, in one of your interviews that you dropped many interesting names uh so i'm it's no surprise to have a pile of uh great music in there um I, I, one thing I do uh, want to know about is like you've got this now here. It's been a big sort of collaborative process and you've um, you've worked with a whole bunch of people together. Is this the sort of way that you want to make games in future? And, 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 and once you've sort of gone through this process, is it the, is it, how does it compare to your, your previous experiences of making games? So, um, well, previously I worked kind of in AAA. I worked on Quantum Break and Early Days of Control, which is the new game from Remedy and, I directed and wrote this uh, sci-fi called uh, Downward Spiral Horror Station. It's like a, a VR kind of 2001 meets Twin Peaks sort of experience. Um, and yeah, then there's Stone. Stone has been completely globally remote made. <laughs> I think it's been amazing to kind of collaborate with all these people. Um, I'd love to do more games like this um, for sure. I think collaborating with lots of musicians and uh about Ivor is um, another thing I'm really proud of is in the game, there's this amazing collection of music, but there's also a collection of cinema. Um, you can actually go to the cinema in the game and you can watch Night of the Living Dead. You can watch Australia's first uh, silent film or blockbuster wow. silent film, The Sentimental Bloke, wow. The Kelly Gang. Uh, there's a short film that I have a cameo in called The Little Red Shoe. I'm this kind of creep <laughs> at the start of the movie, and it's um, I think it's this really cool, surreal Finnish short film that I was involved in. So uh, more games like this and kind of, as I said, just create these worlds for players to get into and, um, and relatable characters that I think give people a different perspective on the world. And that's what I hope with Stone, that when you play it, you kind of go in and you expect one thing and you come out the other side and... Hopefully you've picked up some new music and maybe a new silent film you haven't watched wow. and uh, yeah, and a great story and that's that's kind of the goal for me. So yeah, I'd love to continue, but 
very different nowhere near as big as obviously a AAA, but uh mm. the experience hopefully we get people to sort of broaden their horizons and uh, learn a little bit more about some other great stuff now we've got a sort of final question another one from moody xander um and it says aside from the obvious which i'm assuming xander is referring to the koala now what is your other favorite or notable uh, animal character in the game Ah, oh, that's a good question. So in the game, we got a koala, a cockatoo, um, a crocodile, uh, probably Cocky. She's the bartender. Mm-hmm. Um, she's actually, it's pretty funny. She's voiced by my old boss. I used to work at a bar and she was the bar manager and I just thought she was hilarious. So um, I asked if she'd be the voice, but I think cockatoo, I think it's pretty funny. Um when you play the demo, you can jump in and you can meet her right away, but she's just got this real, really great personality. Um, there is no kangaroo in the game, so there are, like, some slots for a lot of, like, Aussie, other Aussie classics potentially in the future if there's more stones. Cook- but, uh, kookaburras? Any but kookaburras yeah, in there? I, I kind of did that on purpose because I, I knew everyone knew the koala, but I wanted to introduce other animals as well. Yeah, right. And um, just kind of bring them into the forefront so people can kind of learn them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it was, it was part of it. And I think it's, yeah, I, when I first started, I had no idea like with this company, with this dream that I'd be kind of making this like koala stone and noir game, but that's where you are. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, exactly. I think it's just, uh, it's just following creativity and just really going for it and just being open and, uh, collaborating with people and just, yeah, I think just trusting your gut. Well, look, it's it's, um, it's definitely an amazing looking game. We'd love to see uh, Australian, even Australian themed games, because as you said, there's a lot of games that come out that could sort of be made anywhere, but this one here has that real Australian flavor by also drawing on those other influences as well. Now, if people want to play the game, where where can they go to get that demo and, and maybe check it out on online? Yeah, it's uh, it's on Steam at this point. So if you go on Steam, uh, there's like on the right, you can get the demo and it's actually... Because we released the uh, demo today, you can also get it a bit cheaper this weekend if you want to jump in. But uh, yeah, give it a spin, and it only gives you a, a tiny part of the story. So I hope you feel curious enough to see what really happens. So uh, it's like the yeah, stone. you can get it on Steam, and if you're interested, you can yeah follow us at Convict Games as well. We're on all those social media. It's the stone tasting plate. You can get your uh, your taste snack. of stone. Yeah, get a taste of stone. It's not the wine. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> That's pretty much all we've got time for today. So thank you very much uh, for watching and thanks for joining us uh, for another episode of Pixel Sift. Uh, thank you, Greg. It's been uh, really interesting to learn all about your game and we'll be putting links up to everything up on our website. So if you want to find out more about that, where the demo is and all that sort of stuff, you can go to our website and the website is pixelsift.com.au. Greg, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's been awesome. And thanks for the questions as well. Really appreciate it. And um, I hope you enjoy Stone. It's definitely something I'm very keen to give uh, it a yeah, go. Yeah, probably going to go home tonight and just play it. Check it out. <laughs> yeah. Get on, get on the old eucalyptus, as they say. Yes. <laughs> now, uh, this episode- a little drink. You can order beers or cocktails. So, uh, oh, yeah, jump in. There you go. Now, so this episode was hosted by me. I'm Gianni and Scott uh, Quigg as well. Uh, it was produced by Fiona Bartholomeus. Uh, Scott Quigg is a producer as well. And I'm the executive producer. So, thank you very much to Murdoch University School of Arts for supporting Pixel Sift through all 109 episodes and if you'd like to learn a bit more about the creative degrees that they've got on offer you can head to murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts now scott if people want to find out some of our older episodes where should they head to 
Uh, they can go to pixelsift.com.au. They can also go to facebook.com forward slash pixelsift, uh, youtube.com forward slash pixelsiftau, and twitch.tv forward slash pixelsift. And we've also got a Discord server. Yeah, you get can on have there. You can chat to, to Greg, who's in there now as well. You can chat to all of us. We're all there. And we're all there all the time. Tell us about what games you're playing and what cool stuff you've seen online. Please do. The way to get there is pixelsift.com.au forward slash Discord. This has been episode 109. Thank you, Greg. It's been phenomenal. And we'll see you all two weeks' time. Catch y'all. If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade, and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. 